The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I wanted to talk to you about rotoballer.com. Win big in 2022 with rotoballer.com's MLB and DFS Premium Pass, which includes 15 exclusive lineup tools, daily DFS cheat sheets, and our new Team Sync platform. Use Rotoballer's exclusive hitter projections, pitching planners, DFS value plays, research stations, lineup optimizer, and more to help you win big. For a limited time, get your MLB Premium Pass for an extra 10% off your with your discount code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A. Just visit rotoballer.com, use promo code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A for 10% off the Premium Pass for the MLB season, and get started to rotoballing like a boss. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bubba and the Bat Flip, episode 122. Going to recap your week four fab action, a month's worth of fab in theory, kind of, maybe. So we're going to get that going for you, talk about some people we added and dropped this past week, some awesome listener questions, and much, much more in the world of fantasy baseball and who knows whatever other avenues we go down. But you can find me on Twitter at BDentric and my co-host is always on Twitter at BatFlipCrazyToby. Toby. How we doing, man? We're doing well, Bubba. Today I am um, I'm rocking my Mets hat. Um, I'm a lifelong Mets fan. A lot of suffering that I've experienced, but so I'm just trying to enjoy the moment. I was wondering what the real reason was for, but uh, uh, we'll, we'll roll with that. We'll roll with that. Uh, the, is this because of the uh, three? Was it like the Groundhog's Day? Three more weeks of uh, questions for Degrom, or? Is it is there is there something more to this? Because usually there's a reason the hats on besides. Uh, I'm just a I'm just a lifelong Mets fan. That's did Rob it, DiPietro Bella. did Rob DiPietro put you up to this? He didn't. No, okay. I I haven't talked to Rob about this, but um, okay. just check. I know you guys yeah. are in your I know you guys are in like your little clicky Discord there of the, of the big guys. So I didn't know if this was a let me Toby let me tell you, let me tell you something. They're all doing great. They're all doing great. <laughs> I'm 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 horrible at this. 
So uh, I'm trying to enjoy my my longtime Mets fandom. Gotcha. It's been a long time since I could really enjoy the ride. Um, I've been yes. a, a lifelong took, Mets fan for out, at least took, two weeks, Bubba. They took three out of four from the Giants. That was nice. That was good. Oh, man. Got, I didn't even think about the fact that I was yeah. subtweeting you on our podcast. It's all good, but the Giants have won four straight since then, and they're up five to one on the A's. So we're doing just fine. Not too worried about that one. Let the Mets have their fun. It's okay. But um, we'll we'll see where that all heads out. But it's it's fun. Baseball's in full swing. Um, craziness. A lot of IL stints coming this past week, like between COVID IL and just late like too, random yeah. stuff. Like it's starting to feel like oh, we're in the grind now because we didn't have a bunch of them early on. Like the first few weeks wasn't a ton of like, hey, this guy's got like an oblique or a hamstring. Nothing too crazy. It seems like the last like three or four days, it's just been like boom, 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 boom. Like even today, like Lourdes Gurriel, not in the lineup because of a stiff back. He pinched it though. So that was nice. But if you benched him, you're just like, well, crap. <laughs> like, no, I can't get two more games out of him. So, and you know, you got Lou Bob's day today and like all these other guys. It's uh, this is where it gets real fun set lineups, Toby. Real fun set lineups. But for sure, just get, just try to get warm bodies in those yep. spots. Pretty much, pretty much. See where. All the chips settle, but let's talk about some week four fab action. And as usual, everybody in FBC online. So 12 team leagues to kind of cater to more people, not just the 15 team audience. Um, and we'll go over the most added players for a while. Then we'll take uh, talk about the players we added and dropped and then get to your awesome listener questions. As always, if you guys ever want to join us live, just go to the, you can follow us, uh, the Twitter feed that goes out there. But if you want to comment, you have to go to YouTube to make the comments, but uh, come join us as well. All right, Zach Collins, a catcher, is our number one ad. Technically, he's a DH. Let's just be honest about it. But he is a catcher. He got traded over from the White Sox. And I love it because in DFS, I was a, a Zach Collins fan because he's always cheap. He was cheap this year, too. But I liked him with the White Sox because I knew he could hit. It was just a matter of playing enough. He was adding 131 leagues, max of 187. Someone was really thirsty for a catcher. Uh, <laughs> men of $1. Like, I like Zach Collins. He's batting fourth or fifth. No way I'm paying 180 I probably wasn't paying over 10 bucks for Zach Collins, maybe 20 at the most. But because um, you're not rostering three catchers very often. So how are, how are you uh, looking at Zach Collins? A dude can hit, but to see a catcher fetching this kind of um, demand was pretty surprising to me. Yeah, I mean – Warm body, right? Pretty Warm much. body in a in a decent lineup. The interesting thing is when you look at the Blue Jays lineup the last couple of days, with the injuries they have, it's not. It's really not that deep. You know, you've got the top three in Springer, Bichette, and Vlad Jr., and then it's like Matt Chapman's the best remaining bat out there. No disrespect to uh, Santiago Espinal, um, mm-hmm. who has been really good and who I who I actually like. As a man, they got to move him up the guy in order. That'd be so nice. <clears throat> For sure. Um, Yeah, I mean, Collins, you know, striking out a ton, super high Babbitt, three barrels, three home runs, you know, ride it while it's hot, but there's nothing too special that's going to happen here. I mean, he's a guy you throw in there. You're hoping he plays three, four days that week in your catcher spot and and gets you something other than a low batting average. He's 60% contact rate, you know, career close to 30%. strikeout rate and he also hits a ton of fly balls which is good for the home runs but also is going to hurt the batting average so you know keep him in there while he's in there and hope that danny jansen gets back quick so that we get a legit catcher a real catcher uh in in those lineups i'm curious what toronto's going to do though because zach isn't really catching that often he's usually DHing while alejandro kirk catches 
So I was like, when Jansen comes back, do they keep running Collins out at DH and then Kirk and Jansen platoon? I'm curious to see how it plays out because, like we, like you said, I said, um, you know, Collins can hit. That's not the problem. Um, it could be streaky. Definitely could be streaky, as you mentioned. But I'm curious to see what Toronto does there because in the end, if he is a catcher that's DHing probably five or six games a week, hitting fourth or fifth, there is some val- like valid fantasy excitement from that. So um, it's interesting. I wasn't looking for a catcher this week. I was trying to, like, while you were talking, think of what catchers you'd be dropping. Maybe it's 12 teams, so it's a little more out there. Like in a 15, is probably a little different for sure. But uh, definitely keep Collins, like, like you said, ride him while he's hot, use him as a streamer. There's options for him there. But when Jansen does return, could uh, muddy up the waters a little bit as well. Andres Munoz, the ever-revolving door of the Seattle Mariners' closing situation, he was added in 128 leagues as high as $715. Guessing someone clicked the wrong button on that one. Somebody's just, uh, in an Andres Munoz only uh, or a Munoz fantasy league where you can only yeah. draft players named Munoz. I, I like Munoz. I put some bids in for him like $30 at the most bids because it's the Mariners and this is what we're going to do all season long. But I like I have DC shares because I believed he was the best option in the end. Once he came back from uh, injury, we'll see if he he rolls the dice. Like I had Louis, uh, Diego Castillo a couple weeks ago for like 16 bucks. He's dropped again because that's just what Seattle does. Um, I like Andres Munoz. Wasn't super aggressive on him. What's your thoughts on Andres Munoz? Yeah, I had bids in for him. He was pretty high up my kind of closer spec list. But I thought I had decent closing situations heading into the week after today, you know, with Hansel pitching the eighth, although he was pitching against the kind of meat of the lineup for the Blue Jays and then Pagan blowing, blowing the save theoretically in the eighth, but coming in early. I don't know if they were going to give him like the one and two thirds save or not, but uh, I don't know if I have closers anymore, but I had him up there pretty high. The skills are really good. Um, I mean, they're elite. 21.8% swinging strike rate, 40.9% K minus walk. He's striking out 50% of the of batters, and that that has only gone up after today where he struck out three. He did give up a walk, um, and he did give up a hit. But, you know, a very good pitcher. Again, I think the challenge is the Mariners haven't shown over the course of the last few years a real, real desire to go with one guy. And so... He did pitch today up four in the in the ninth, so maybe. But I get the feeling that we're going to see a few different guys in there with Castillo, potentially Sewell, him, Steckenrider. I'm not a huge fan of, but um, there are arms in that bullpen that can throw the ninth too. Yeah, like I said, we saw Castillo a week or so ago, and now we're getting uh, Munoz. Seawald's supposed to be coming back any day. Now he actually traveled to Tampa Bay with the team. So that could definitely change things like he's been out, which has allowed some of these guys to maybe we knew Seawald wouldn't be the one guy because they'd use him in high leverage spots, but he's still probably going to knock out 15 saves, maybe like somewhere like he's going to get his fair share, which is going to definitely make it difficult from week to week with some of these other Mariners options. So I do like Munoz. I'm with you. I I like the skill set a ton with Andres Munoz. Just a matter of (laughs) what are the Mariners like? That's the million dollar question. All right, the next one, like this is some fun fab talk right here because Alec Baum was the third most added player, as high as one forty-seven, as low as one dollar. Yeah, Bryson Stott's gone, so it's pretty much Baum's role, and you know he's hitting over three hundred on the season. His strikeout rate's less than fourteen percent. He's walking almost twelve percent, but uh, you look at that swinging strike rate, 
You look at that overall contact rate. There's still some serious question marks for me when it comes to Alec Baum. Like, there's a lot to like. There's a lot of question marks, too, that doesn't make me feel all warm and fuzzy, Toby. So what's your thoughts on Alec Baum? I said a boom, chicka boom. Um, sorry, I had to do that as like a former <laughs> as a former camp person, um, or maybe maybe a camp person. Um, I think the um, I think the key for so what I like to do like early on in the season, I'm like thinking like I saw I had boom available in one of my leagues in one of my mains, and like I was like okay, I feel like I might want to bid a decent chunk of change on bone. And so the, the, the process that I always have though, when I do that is I want to see like, is there something different in this guy's profile? Is there something he's doing that is not just, that doesn't appear to be just like small sample stuff, but that maybe there's been a change in, in what he's doing. And my bids were, my bid was like 93 bucks. I think, which for me is a lot. It's a lot, a lot. Um, kind of going in the night and then I kind of tracked it back. And I think it ended up either in the low seventies or in kind of the mid sixties, primarily because he's in a good lineup. seems like he's going to play every single day. But when you, when I looked under the hood, it's like, you know, he's, he's hitting three fourteen, which is great. You know, his BABIP is now down to three thirteen. It was way higher than that. Um, even as, as early as Sunday, um, you know, the ground ball rate, you know, slightly down a little bit. I think when it was, when I was looking on Sunday, it was a little bit higher um, than that. The contact rate, 69%. So his K rate's at 13.6%, which is well below his career average of 23.9%. The problem being that his contact rate is actually way worse. His in zone contact rate is way worse and his overall contact rate is way worse. So not only is like the average, a little bit of a mirage be, you know, or it was a little bit of a mirage because he was hitting like 350 or something like that because of the Babbitt. It's also a mirage because that K rate is going to end up probably closer to that, you know, career average, 23%, probably a little bit lower than that. Maybe he's got generally better than league average contact, but right around there. So I kind of looked at that and I was like, eh, the ground ball rate again, I think it's down a little bit since Sunday night when I was looking, the hard hit, hit rate is not exceptional. Um, he does have, um, he does have four barrels, you know, which is, which is really nice. But again, the ground ball rate is still well above league average. So it kind of tells me that, you know, maybe there's a change there with the, with the ground ball rate being a little bit lower, but this is kind of the same guy. And so if it's the same guy, then I'm going to go to the projections and I'm going to kind of look at what they have to say. And like the bad X has him for nine home runs, three steals, a 262 average the rest of the season, which certainly isn't isn't nothing. Um, but like, and assuming he plays a little bit more, it's a little bit better, but that ends up being like who we thought he was, right? Like mm-hmm. 15 home runs, 260 batting average, you know, uh, three to five steals, something like that, which again is fine, but I don't want to pay. I don't want to pay like crazy for that. I can stream together uh, a bunch of guys and get the same production essentially. Um, so I ended up lowering that bid a little bit and he went for, I mean, close to 200 bucks in my league. I think in similar leagues, he went for pretty high as well. And somebody had a tweet though, which, which I felt like was kind of brutal for people who, who spent a lot on him because on Monday they were like Alec Bohm's first 
five starts and it was like yep. 570 yep. batting average. And since then he's in like quickly. 130 yep. or something like that. And then you're just like, that's what happens in small samples. Yep. You, you just, you lose sight of, of the signal and the noise, you know? So we'll see what he ends up being. I hope he does well, you know, poor guy in Philly there. And, but I just don't see a different player necessarily yet. I'm hundred percent with you. That's why I was at the contact rates. You got this one. You got the batting average on one side, like the hard hit rates, the the barrel rates, but then you look at the contact and the swing of the miss. It's just like the stuff you want to continue hitting the ball hard isn't there. So it's like something's got to give, and we've seen this with him before, like you said. And so it's he's still young, and obviously things can change. But what we've seen in the past, the underlying stats are resembling. So we kind of have to go with what we, we we've seen. Uh, like he could again fool us and. Somebody got a great player for 200 bucks. We'll see. I still don't see it though. That's the thing. And I saw that tweet you're talking about and that, that stood out as well. And um, like one of the, the good things, it's good and bad. Like some of my new articles this year are like recapping like risers and fallers from the previous week, just seven days. And so it highlights like, Oh wow. All of Alec bomb. I wanted to write about like two weeks ago. And now it's like, whew. Look at that week. Oh my goodness. Like and, and again, you you know, the season's a bigger sample than seven, but it makes little things like that stand out. Like, oh my, like that was a that was a rough go, really rough go. Or then you can dig into things and look a little more. Um, and there's a lot of players like that. It's not just Alec Baum, where you're thinking uh things are great. And again, I think we've talked about it before. If this was June, no one would care about a, a week slump. But right now, with such a small sample, as you said, it just makes those numbers fluctuate so much. And I have constantly people saying like, Hey, is this guy really this bad? Oh, I want to drop him. I'm like, guys, if he goes like six for his next, like 17, his average is going to just go back to almost normal. Like it's just little things like that. And if he throws a home run and like four RBIs in there, you're groovy. Like it's, it's such a small sample. And uh, like, look at Julio Rodriguez, the way he's played the last week, people are like, if you look at a stat line, you're almost forgetting about the start. Uh, Bobby Wood Jr. He's moved down to seventh in the order. He's hit straightly now in five straight games. Like it's just people take time to get going, and not just rookies. Those are just easy examples. But uh, I keep stressing: do not panic. It is April twenty sixth of a six game, a six month season. So it it sucks. Like Toby said, like earlier, he's in that chat where they're all doing well, and he's not. And like yeah, I look at my teams, I'm happy that some are starting to like climb into fifth place now. I'm like, sweet, they're making moves. Like guys are starting to to pan out. Am I in the money in anything? Only like two or three of them, but things are moving. That's all I care about. Like you're not just sitting in slumber, but we'll see. Long, long ways to go. It's jock jam season. Jock Peterson added 124 leagues as high as 169, as low as three. Dude has just been crushing baseballs. Uh, since the 17th, he's hit safely in all but two games, multiple hits in four of them. He's hit four home runs over that stretch. He's just mashing the hard hit rates, the contact rates. He platoons. That's a thing. But last week, he placed a lot of righties. This week's five out of six righties. Um, so it's, it's definitely one of those week-to-week situations with jock jams. And um, a conversation that I had with uh, someone in my DMs, I think it was today, actually. It's like, oh, should I add jock jams for somebody else? I said, if you want to stream him, yes. But the power is legit. We know that. But the batting average is not legit from Jock Peterson. Like, this is an, this is an abnormality for Jock. So that regression's coming. I told them the thing I think we've talked about before is we don't get the previous stats when you add him. So just remember that. It's awesome. 
but something to think about. So what's your thoughts on Jock Jam? I'm all about streaming, but don't fall in love with the player you're seeing right now is all I have to say. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends, right? In 15 teamers with with the lack of depth right now, just in hitting in general, uh, I feel like, you know, he's a guy that you have in there most of the time. You know, if yeah. he's playing one out of three or whatever, then then no. But yeah, I mean, I think you summed it up perfectly. Like the batting average is a mirage. I mean, the thing about Jock Jams, the power is real because ground ball rate super low, fly ball rate super high. But the result of that as well is the low batting average and the very low BABIP. He's got a 344 BABIP right now. Uh, I don't know what his career is, but recently like 281, 200, 249, 253, 241. So career he's at 263. And so, you know, once, once those fly balls stop being home runs and barrels, which will eventually happen, then that batting average will come down. But if you go into it, knowing who you're getting like power hitter, he's hitting, um, he's hitting first, he's going to have a decent OBP. Like he's going to get on base. He's going to score some runs in that lineup right there when he's in the lineup. So I think he's a great pickup. I mean, he wasn't available in any of my 15s. He, he had been picked up, I think, a couple weeks ago, probably in most 15s because he had a, a string of righties coming up. But those are the types of things that you want to take advantage of. So kudos to people who who spent early, got him for cheaper, were able to kind of probably get his best couple weeks of the season. And um, you can you can stick with him and keep using him in that that same role. And I think he'll be effective. Like next week, four out of six games versus righties. So um, it's like two out of three in the first half, two out of three in the second half. So pick your poison. The second half's kind of juicy, actually. So that he might still be very viable next week. Fifteens, I'm with you. He's pretty much as long as it's not like a horrific, like long stretch of lefties. You're pretty much playing jock. But um, the other thing I'll mention while you're talking, he's got six homers on the year. Five of them are on the road. Something else to keep in mind. Like still, AT&T's playing louder, but that triples alley for lefties for a fly ball guy like him, the way the balls aren't flying the way they once were, given his power play takes over some of that mess. Um, still something to think about uh, early in the season with with Jock. So another one of the fun things there. Danny Jimenez picked up in 121 leagues, 225 max, one dollar for the men. Uh, Jimenez picked up a save or two this past week for the Oakland A's. Looked really really good actually i know um i believe it was reliever recon jewett and the boys they had him as like a a, like a spec guy or a closer and waiting potentially especially for like dcs he he was a guy to keep an eye on he's got three saves on the year now the one caveat i'll mention is he did some of his damage while trevino was on the covid il so Mm -hmm. what's your thoughts on danny jimenez yeah i mean he's pure spec at this point i mean trevino i don't know if he's off the COVID il yet or not but once trevino is off of it i think he will jimenez loses a lot of his value the one thing i'll say is he has pitched really well this year seven innings pitch nine k's 15.6 swinging strike rate 24.1 percent um k minus walk rate he may have the biggest change in k minus walk rate over the course of a single season Last year, he had a negative 25% K-minus walk rate. Man. This year, he's got 24.8. It was in one and one in a third inning. So, um, But yeah, so I think he's a, he's a good... I think the challenge is like those bids where you see him going for like 100 bucks or like 150 bucks. And again, it could work out. These things can always work out. Um, but, you know, when Trevino comes back, like why, why are they going to give him that role? Right. Like there's really they want no to trade Trevino they if they can. Like, exactly. They want yeah. to get the maximum. They want to maximize yeah. him. And also it would be like a bad look if like 
guy goes on COVID IL and he's got the the role and all of a sudden he's given it up to somebody. Um, especially, yeah. So I think the problem is like next week, if Trevino comes back this week, are you dropping him in as next week? You know, like, especially if you spend a lot of money on him, are you dropping? Exactly. Him? That's what I mean. Like, so you end up holding on to him waiting for Trevino to struggle or for Trevino to get traded so that he comes in there. And so it just creates some challenges. So again, if you, if you, if it's like an $8 bid or a $15 bid or whatever out of, out of a thousand, then you don't feel bad dropping him the next week. Cause it's a pure spec, but like those larger bids that I think is where you get into like a, you put yourself into a psychologically challenging position because you have invested. What is that? What is that bias called? Like the sunk co- sunk cost, or I don't know if it's just sunk cost or there's go a go back bias and listen there, to like, our first podcast with Rob DiPietro. I think we went over like four different biases. Like I want to go yeah. back and check it out. I know what you're talking about, though. Yeah, yeah. It's like you you've put you all invested this money so into much them, so you, now you can't get rid of it. Type exactly, thing. exactly. So um, again, you know, seems like a great great pitcher so far in a short small sample, but. You know, I wouldn't have broken the bank for him. And, and and what Toby's saying there is something we've talked about a ton already this season and a lot last season. When it comes to closers, like especially all these teams like the Mariners and the A's and all these spec teams, don't break the bank because they're going to change like six, seven times throughout the season. Now, the next guy we talk about, I could see going a little heavier on. Still not in love with it. Um, you know, if somehow something happened to – Kimley Jansen, you go all in on Will Smith. Like those are the kind of things where you, yes, go spend money, make it happen. But a lot of these spec situations, like even the Giants, like it looks like it's Duvall's gig for for now. But no one would be shocked if Jake McGee came back in there and got 15 saves. So like you, you can't be breaking the bank on these dudes. Also, as Toby demonstrated perfectly last season, is like the last two months of the year, a lot of cheap saves out there, a lot of them. So just save it for then and uh, and have some fun. All right. The next player, I mentioned Jorge Lopez. Picked up in 120 leagues, as high as 321, as low as 26. Not sure how to pay 321, but I was in on Lopez this past week where he was available. You know, deeper leagues, he was gone. But 12s, he was, I think people are still kind of not sure what to get out of Lopez. He did save three games last week. We don't get those if you picked him up. But two or more Ks in five straight outings. The velo is ridiculous for Jorge Lopez right now. He looks like a brand new man, you know, starter hitting the bullpen. Things are great. Again, not, he's still Jorge Lopez underneath it all. So I'm waiting for the, the blow up, but for now he's looked really good when he gets the chance. And um, I don't see anybody overtaking him in Baltimore until at least he's traded probably. Yeah, totally. He's a really good example where I'm really upset at myself a little bit because when guys have the roles, even if their skills aren't that good, like it's worth grabbing them when they're cheap, you know? And like I have Daniel been in a couple Bart of example. Now. What's that? It's the Daniel Bard example, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, especially now, I mean, where there's all these situations where you feel like a guy's the closer and then they're no longer the closer, you know? Um, I, I drafted Jorge Lopez in a couple leagues. Like I still have him in, in, in a couple, in at least one big league, maybe two. And but, and I knew he like had the job and I still wasn't super aggressive on him. And it was because the skills just look so bad so far. But again, it was like, what, like five innings that he had pitched poorly in. Yep. And then I watch him against the angels this weekend and he's yep. just cut through them. Like 
nobody's business. Good, good hitters. He got, I mean, Trout, I think, got a single off of him, a little bit of a jam shot, but like he struck out Otani. Like he just kind of went through them like a hot knife through butter. And I saw that and I was just like, you want to know something? This guy's got the gig. Mm-hmm. There's so few guys that have the gig. Even on the Orioles, you know, the Orioles, the the thing with the Orioles is their pitching is pretty good so far. We'll see yeah. like when things heat up a little bit, when hitters start to catch up a little bit, but their pitching's decent. It's going to keep them in some close games. And, you know, I really wish I'd been a little bit more aggressive on him when he was available last week before he had the three saves. I mean, I put in like a $52 bid for him, I think in a league and he went for like one thirty or something, you know, where it's just like, eh, I don't want to, I don't want to pay that now, but yeah. So, and the skills are, are really good. They're, they're really good. He's turned it around, you know, a two ERA, one eleven whip, 13 Ks in nine innings. He's got the four saves. Nothing's crazy about the strand rate or the Babbitt. I mean, the strand rate's a little bit high, but nothing too, too crazy. K minus walk rate, 24.3%, 13.2% swinging strike rate. You know, um, he's doing all right in the zone. I mean, it's not all perfect, right? There's going to be bumps in the road, but he's a definite guy. I wish I was a little bit more aggressive on in fab early and to get him before he gets those three saves, you know? Yeah, I'm with you because I last week before he got the three saves, he was like a second or third option for me on some other guys. So I didn't really get him anywhere, maybe one league. I was much more aggressive this week. Uh, we'll go over. I can't remember what my prices were, but I did get him in a few spots. I even got him in tout, which was nice, even though it's a saves hold league. But just what what I really liked about this past week was they weren't just one inning saves all the time. They were bringing him in in the eighth to get four or five outs, and he was getting strikeouts. Like he was, he feels like the uh, Iglesias type, where he might get you some wins because he's going to go get you five out uh, finishes to games. Uh, it's like even if he blows it in the eighth, he's going to get the pitch to ninth and maybe like, redeem himself. The Orioles are going to utilize the ability for him to go deep in, in games, not like six innings or something, but to be able to go more than three outs, plus the skills we've seen. I'm a big fan. Like I'm with you. The early skills look bad and in such an early sample size, and he turned it around, and we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens in Baltimore. That's for darn sure. All right. Uh, the next one here, Dylan Bundy. Talk about small sample, but early returns here. Picked up in 108 leagues, as high as 183, as low as $1. Bundy's made three starts, five innings or more in each start. Only one run total. He's got 12 Ks to start the season. Um, looking pretty strong. Obviously, the Ks, you'd, you'd, you'd hope for a little more with Bundy, but he's you know limiting the damage, decent swinging strike rate. Like it's Still dealing Bundy, and I'm kind of still skeptical, but he's getting the job done, and that's hard to ignore. So I, I had some small bids out for him this past week. Yeah, I was kind of, I, I didn't really, I wasn't super aggressive. I had him at the bottom of some, some lists. He's the type of guy where like, he's got the line where like, I just can't start a guy like that because it's just, he's going to throw, he's going to throw an inning and give up six earned runs they like very soon. Yep. Like it's going to, it's going it's to happen. And regardless of the, yep. regardless of who the, who the team is, like, it's going to happen. Like, you know, 222 Babbitt. 91% strand rate, you know, only 12 Ks and 15 and a third. The swinging strike rates, you know, all right at 11.1%, but the K rate's super low. The strikeout, the fastball velocity is down, you know, below 90 miles per hour. He is throwing the change up a little bit more than usual, which is nice because he's always been a guy who's got that slider and the change up that are pretty effective pitches, at least at getting swinging strikes. So, there's something potentially there, but 
He's just, he's not fooling guys right now. And so the hard contact will come. It'll come quickly. And I don't want to be on the other side of that. And I think when all is said and done, he ends up being kind of, you know, he's like a mid fours, one, three whip type guy. And like the, what's helping him out is he's not walking anybody. He has, he's only walked, I think one guy in 15 innings. He's got a 1.7% walk rate, but his, his first pitch strike rate is, you know, six is 7% higher than his career average. His zone percentage is 7% above league average. You know, his O swing is 4% above league average. So all of those walk metrics are up and it's not that he can't sustain that, but it's just like, if a guy has been a guy for a very long time, I don't think that all of a sudden his control is going to become elite. And so we'll see what happens moving forward, whether, whether we're right or wrong. Yeah, I'm I'm interested a little bit, but I'm not breaking the bank. Like he's like a third or fourth option in a lot of my bids, and the main reason is because he gets Baltimore next week, so that's probably the game he gives up six runs because like it's such a great matchup where he should be able to navigate five innings and get like four or five Ks and maybe have a chance for a win on paper. That's how it looks. He probably gets all just shelled, and that's what's going to be the fun part about Dylan Bundy. Uh, Thyro Estrada added at 98 leagues as high as 88 dollars, as low as one. You know, he's, he's hit safely in uh, five straight games coming in tonight, uh, eight of his last ten. Got a couple homers, three stolen bases. He just doesn't – I'm a Giants fan. I'm not really – like, in 15s I get it. In 12s he wasn't doing it for me. So what's your thoughts on Thyro Estrada? Because he's playing again tonight, but there's so many moving parts. There. I know there's injuries right now, but I just don't see that one sticking for long. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean, super high ground ball rate, 57%, very low hard hit rate, not necessarily that great of plate skills. You know, the contact is right around league average, but for a guy with his type of profile, you'd expect bigger. You know, chases on pitches outside the zone. He's getting playing time because they're banged up, but yep. I don't think that is going to happen um, very consistently. Um, but, you know, there's a little bit of speed. He's got those two barrels so far. He puts a lot of balls in play. A little bit of luck, maybe. So, I mean, I think he's fine, but I think once they're healthy, he's not going to play on a consistent basis. And so you kind of like don't pay up for him. We kind of week to week it with him. But yeah, I mean, yeah, he's, I don't see anything different. Yeah, I was surprised actually as we're scrolling down. I'm like, wow, he was up here. Interesting. Like, I had to make sure I didn't miss anything. I'm like, I watch a lot of Giants games and I, wasn't seeing what everyone like. I'd rather have Santiago Espinal, who was available in a lot of leagues, mm. at least in twelves. So I, I would I would have gone that route personally. Um, next up on the list here, Chris Stratton added at ninety seven leagues as high as one fifty one, as low as a dollar. People saw those two saves last week and got all giddy. But um, I tweeted it out. I think out of the second save, and it's pretty much happened since. Bednar pitched in those games too, and he pitched in the higher leverage situations. Um, this is still going to be an up and down thing all season, as we talked about. So if you want to roll Stratton out there and hope it's the week he gets a couple, because he's going to have weeks where he gets none, that's going to be the way that the cookie crumbles. Um, so they'll split it with Bednar, but Bednar is going to get the high leverage spots. That's how we've seen it so far. So what's your thoughts on uh, Stratton right now? Yeah, I like, excuse me. I like Stratton a lot. Like heading into the season, I have him on a lot of DCs. 
Yeah, me too. Just because I thought he was was either going to split or maybe that they'd give him the role. But I mean, I, I just don't have any interest. He wasn't he really even on my bid list this weekend because it's just so hard to put a guy on the Pirates who's splitting saves yep. in your lineup on a weekly basis. Like, think about the two and a half weeks previous to this. I think he had one save, but like he was he wasn't that good. Like he's not dominant enough skills wise to he's not going to get enough strikeouts where you feel okay having him in your lineup. You don't trust him enough to have him in there. Like Bednar, like I can totally understand. Bednar is lights out reliever, super good, super good skills. He's going to have good ratios for you probably. He's going to strike out, you know, 10, 11, 12 per nine. I don't feel the same way about Stratton, so I can't really have him in my lineup. So he's just kind of sitting there and not doing much. So it's great when he's got those two saves a week, but how many times is that going to happen this year? Maybe two, maybe three all year. Yeah, that's the hard part. That's the really hard part. Like if they trade Bednar, then rock and roll. But uh, that's where it's tough. Like I'm with you. I have a ton of Stratton in DCs thinking he did get the job or eventually Bednar moves on and you get your Stratton love eventually. But uh, we'll have to wait and see on that one. Next most added player, Jerkson Profar. Added in uh, 96 leagues, as high as 211, as low as $3. Uh, overall stats hitting 222 with four homers, one steal, walking 15% of the time, which is good. Um I don't know. I like what we're seeing from Profar. He's more of a deep league option for me, not much at 12. Um, what's your thoughts on Profar? He was playing every day, though, which is which is nice, but still a lot of holes in that uh, get up. Yeah, I mean, he's still Drew in Profar, too. And this is like, I have him in one league, and I've had him since the first week of the season. And it just shows you how much luck can sometimes play in your role. I had him as my fifth or sixth conditional going for an outfielder. And I happened to get him week two. And what does he do? He hits a grand slam, um, crushes it. I'm about to drop him on this on the Sunday. And on Sunday, he hits another home run. So I'm like, ah, let's let's write it out. Last year, he had a 3.8% home run per fly ball. He's just getting his regression is coming through right now because he's not that bad. Like he's not even a league average home run per fly ball guy. But, you know, the same same analysis, there's nothing that's really changed for me. You know, the O swing is better, so maybe he's being a little bit more selective. Uh, but the contact rate is actually below uh, every single season he's had so far and below his career average. He's incredibly consistent. I mean, from a contact rate, he's just always between like 80 and 83% um, pretty much. The hard hit rate is up, so maybe there's something to that. He does have a very low BABIP, so there's a little bit of batting average bump that he could get if he gets a little bit uh, you know, luckier on the on those balls falling in. So maybe there's a little bit of a of a gonna sacrifice a little bit of contact for power, but again, like it's that hard hit rate. Like there's nothing in his stat cast metrics really. Like his max exit velo isn't higher than it's ever been before. He does have four barrels at ten point three percent, but again, small sample. It, it'll take a little bit. His hard hit rate is at thirty five point nine percent, so it's better than it's been before. And he's already got half of the barrels he had last year in nearly 300 batted ball events. So it's certainly possible that he's doing like a, like a good example would be like a Brandon Crawford from the last couple of years where the contact rate falls, but he's intentionally trying to hit the ball a little bit harder. And if that was the case, I mean, I think with his, with his profile, that's a really nice profile because he can give up a little bit of contact and still maintain a decent batting average. Although he does always have a super low BABIP. He just not a good striker of the ball. So 
I do think that there's hope and there's power and speed there. And like you mentioned, he's playing every day. He hit cleanup today. He hit fifth yesterday. He's switch hitter. So he's in there all the time. They have a very, they have a light lineup, honestly. Like yep. it's just not, he's not great. going anywhere right now. Yeah. It's not great. So I think it's great to kind of keep him in there. The thing I'm hoping for is somebody who had Eddie, the Eagle and I wish him, wow. I wish him a speedy yeah. recovery. And also I'm really hoping, I know he saw a retina specialist. I'm really hoping he doesn't, doesn't have like a detached retina or something like that. Cause yeah. I had that when I was younger and I still don't see well out of my left eye. You have like essentially a scar. There's two different ways it happens. Number one is how most people get it when they're old. It just snaps off and you start to see like um, bubbles and stuff like that. But when you're younger, it often happens to people who have bad eye, who like, um, or not often, but occasionally happens to people who have like, are, who are already really nearsighted. So like it slowly starts to peel off and you don't notice it until it's in the middle of your vision because you can oh, still see your other eye compensates. But like, I really hope it's not something like that because I literally cannot see very well out of my left eye still. And it's like, I would hate for us to see this be like a real career threatening thing for Eddie, the fire Eagle. Like that would be horrible. That'd but be anyways, rough. I'm hoping he's like the Eddie, Eddie Rosario replacement essentially. He could be. And I like a lot of things you said. They're like, yeah, the numbers aren't like great, great right now, but they're still promised when it comes to pro four. That's why I like him in deeper leagues just because those are like live at bats. Like we've talked about time and time again in 12s he's more of like i could see stashing and holding him if you have a roster spot like just don't break the bank it's like those high bids i saw i'm like yeah that that's a little tough but there's there's something about profile where you could see him putting some weeks together for you and playing every day middle of the lineup there is some promise there for sure colorado series or like this week was a good week i think that you were in cincinnati and then i think they go to colorado i think that's what san diego has this week so like that's a, maybe that's why Profar was added. Like honestly, I got I got it right here. Why don't I just look? Um, well, they're at Cincinnati and at Pittsburgh this week. At Pittsburgh, so Cincinnati nice. goes to Colorado. I knew it was one of the two. So um, still juicy matchups. Like he had San Martin, Gutierrez, Molly, Zach Thompson, Brubaker, and Keller. Yeah, like that's a pretty good run of pitchers to face if you want a, a bat to get ready. So we'll we'll see how it goes. And maybe Profar is a a cheaper ad next week, and you can speculate from there. Couple more we'll get to here. JP Crawford added to 92 leagues as high as 401, bit uh, ambitious, as low as one. But Crawford's been hitting phenomenally, hitting 352 on the year, only striking out 5.9% of the time, which is pretty wild. Two homers, a steal. Um, stat cast numbers for him, not off the page, but for him, actually pretty good. He's just crushing his own contact of almost 94%. Like, there's a lot to like about J.P. Crawford. The one thing I'll say is I, like, the more I look at things, almost all the Mariners had big weeks last week. Almost all of them. So they had great matchups is what it really comes down to. I'm curious to see where it all goes when the dust settles. But Crawford's had a great start to the season, Toby. Yeah, I mean, how many teams have played played the Royals and had great weeks? Like Cleveland did it. You know, mm-hmm. Seattle did it. Um yeah, I mean, I like Crawford all right. He's hard to have in lineups, honestly, because he doesn't do that much. Like even looking at his, you know, at things right now. So his walk rate right now, it's all small sample stuff. Like his rock right now is 14.7%. But what's his O-swing? It's 23%. His career is 24%. So he's slightly better than his career average. But, you know, um, nothing too crazy. He is swinging a lot less too, but... 
you know, um, the O swing is, is exactly the same. So he's actually not swinging at more strikes. He's being a little bit more selective. The 5.9% K rate, you're like, oh, wow, that's like amazing. That's awesome. Well, like his overall contact rate is 82.5%, which is actually lower than his contact rate is in, in his career. You know, so again, it'll all over the course of a season, uh, even out. Um, you know, he's got an elevated BABIP. He's got an elevated line drive rate. The hard hit rate isn't great. There's no new max exit velocity change. He does have two bit two barrels, but it's only 3.9%. And both of them been, been home runs His hard hit rate again, right around where it's been throughout his career. So there's nothing really different about JP Crawford. I worry he's the same guy who's going to maybe steal three to five bases and hit you eight to 10 home runs. And it's hard to have that in your lineup, even with like a good batting average. Like, you know, if he if he hits leadoff or if he continues to hit third the whole season, that's one thing. But once he starts to slump, I I think he's going to get dropped dropped there. The Seattle has too many better hitters to have him hitting at the top of the lineup. Yeah, that's my biggest concern. Like, because Julio's hitting now. You got France. You got you'd imagine Winker starts hitting eventually. Like his peripherals look rough right now, but hard to give up on that type situation. There's, there's a lot going on in Seattle right now. So good on Crawford. See how it goes. Like even Adam Frazier is hitting the ball. So um, it does make it really tough with Crawford there. I'm with you. Like write it out, have some fun. The 401 bid was a bit surprising to me, but uh, we'll see how that one keeps going. Last guy we'll talk about here before we move on with the show. Josh Naylor added in 88 leagues as high as hundred bucks, as low as one. Uh, he's gone over four his last two games, but prior to that five straight games with two hits in each game, He's come back from the IL. Last season, he was raking, hitting phenomenally, had that freakish accident, messed up his leg, out for the season. That's why he started the season on the IL, and he's hitting right where he like left off, basically. Not saying he's going to hit this way all season, but we saw massive improvements last year in the overall hit tool, and he's kind of carried that over now. I'm a big Josh Naylor fan. I'm kind of biased, but uh, what's your thoughts on Naylor? I don't expect him to be 345 good. But I expect a little bit of pop in like a 270-ish, 280 average. I think, I, I think that's not asking a, a ton with Naylor. So what's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, he's interesting um, for one primary reason for me, which is that he doesn't strike out a lot. And he's got he's he's historically had a, a pretty nice max, max EV. Like he's able to somehow combine, and not on a consistent enough basis, but he's somehow able to combine that, you know, really high max EV with a pretty high contact approach, which always, if the, if the situation is right, can be conducive to that, to that breakout. But, you know, what I see from him, you know, again, 360 Babbitt, super elevated. He's got a 61 and a half percent ground ball rate. That's always been his issue. His career is 52%. So he's probably going to get better than that. He's got a four ground ball to, to, to fly ball rate, you know? And the problem with that is, Right now he has a 25% home run per fly ball, but throughout his career, he's at 12%. And so, you know, again, once he regresses to the mean on that, then the home runs don't show up anywhere either. The most, like he has 663 plate appearances in his major league career, 255, 17 home runs, three steals. Could he be better? Of course he could, but the approach isn't that great. You know, swings at a lot of pitches outside the zone. He's at 36.3% 36.3% for his career, 39% this year. The contact rate is good, you know, better than league average. So that's really nice. So, and then you have the max EV, which this year is only 110, but in the past he's gotten as high as 115.1, 114.7 last year. 
So he can still do it, but the question is, can he elevate the ball enough to do it consistently? I don't think he probably can, um, but we'll find out. And he plays every day. Yep. So, And that's the great. big thing. And he's also going to gain first base eligibility soon. So now he's first base outfield, which is like, I like, I, don't, I can't tell if I like that more or the one that got has like middle and like first base, second base, middle corner. I think I like middle corner a little better, but the idea of being able to go either a middle or a corner and an outfield, like, cause that's five outfield spots. Like I guess it opens up a lot of the roster. It really does. So um, I, I like that about Naylor as well. All right, Toby, the time everybody looks forward to on the show. Let's talk about our ad drops from the past week. And I decided I'm going to focus mainly on TGFBI and my OC. So I don't name a million of them. Oh, why but, not? Uh, I can't hear it. Want, but they all, uh, people love it. Okay. Give well, we'll see bids. what happens here. But uh, what were your ad drops from the past week? All right. I added Jacob Junis uh, in a few places. Uh, I believe he is going to be the bolt guy, if not the starter um, tomorrow. I'm hoping he's yep. the bolt guy. I hope he, he, he will come be. in after the opener. He's scheduled to A's. start. He's scheduled to start, but we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I have Rotowire having him started, but not bolded. So I'm still maintaining hope there. Um, but yeah, he's got Oakland. So I added him. I dropped, uh, this might be controversial. I don't know. I think it is because I think I was the only person to do this in at least some of the high stakes leagues. Um, uh, I dropped Zach Granke. I don't hate it. I'm not, but I'm not a Granky guy. Like I we mean, talked about him as a super late innings eater, but I'm not a, you know, you talked about, uh, you talked about, uh, JP Crawford being kind of empty on your roster. Granky's empty as well. He's very empty and I, it's just, it's so tough. Like his K rate this year is 3.2%. His swinging strike rate is 3.5%. Like he could get better for sure, but I just can't like, if he was on the Dodgers, you know, if he was on the Astros, fine. I at least have a chance at wins, but Pitching for the Royals, it's just way too many balls in play. And there are going to be games when he just gets absolutely hammered. Just babbipped like crazy. And again, he could improve those skills. But like we saw something similar happen towards the end of last year as well. And so I'm just not sure that it's there. And so I'm, I dropped him. Um, Brad Miller, I added, and I dropped Chad Pinder. I have 12 bucks for Miller. It was 16 for Junis, um, $15 backup. So that was kind of, kind of nice. Um, Brad Miller picked him up. Um, he was available. These are all 15 teamers dropped Chad Pinder, you know, a little bit sad about Pinder. I like him a lot, but I don't know when he's coming back from the COVID, um, IL and I wasn't probably going to be able to start him out all this week. Uh, added Jacob Junis, uh, $14 backup of one dropped Cole Irvin. Irvin's another one where similar to Granky, it's like, I picked him up last week for that Baltimore Cleveland double tap. And it worked out fantastically. And he's a little bit better. The velo's up a little bit. The K rate isn't as low as Granky, but he's not going to get a lot of wins. And is he really that good? Or has he just placed faced some pretty bad teams during the time of year when it's like the best for pitchers and when, yep. you know, the humidors are, are really stifling. Yeah. 
um, stifling. They haven't, they haven't thrown the bouncy balls back out there yet, which is coming soon, folks. It's because with all the chatter, they're coming. Don't don't think they're not. Well, yeah, and yeah, yeah, like, for sure. There's too much chatter about it. Like either the humidors are getting turned off, or there's some bouncy balls coming. Yeah, and so I, I in my in a main, I added Brian Yarborough. I I did this before I saw his his rehab start where he went one third of an inning and walked four. So hopefully that's not a sign of things to come, but Yarborough, his velo was up during spring training. If it's up again, he's been very good um, historically outside of last year. So I really like the addition of him. I dropped Jake Diekman, uh, the blown save guy. Uh, I added Garrett Cooper for 13 bucks, a unicorn bid, as you like to say, $13 backup as well. Um, I dropped Elvis Andrews. I picked him up solely for last week. I added Bruce Zimmerman for 13 bucks. Uh, Backup of seven. I dropped Michael Walker. Similar to kind of Dylan Bundy. Velo's down, not getting swinging strikes. Super low BABIP, super high strand rate. It's all going to go horribly, horribly wrong for Michael Walker very soon. And I don't want to be holding that. I'd rather almost speculate on, you know, guys that have higher skills or who are doing it. Zimmerman is a guy I've liked. I actually have him on all of my DCs except for two. Um, he's one of the players I have the most exposure to. Um, but, um, but I wasn't in at him on fab leagues and I couldn't, I didn't feel comfortable starting him. All of his starts have been tough ones. I think he's I had did, like I the Yankees twice or like, yeah. yeah, like nobody did. And so this week he's got the Yankees again, so I'm not starting him there, but next week next I think week. he might have a really nice two step. Yeah. It's, um, uh, it's I, looking right? like, uh, next week, Minnesota, Kansas city. Okay. Both at home. Yep. So nice. Nice. I mean, not, yeah. Baltimore now home. I like it. Um, so that was really nice. I like that, that little, that, that was a successful fab run. Um, in my other main, I added Jacob Junis, 12 bucks, backup of seven, dropped Michael Waka, added Abraham Toro, dropped uh, Ramon Urias. This was purely just like a week to week thing. Um, Toro was, I think on Razball was like a three or $4 player this week. Urias has, has been struggling a little bit. Um, contact rate is way down. Babip's down. Uh, he could get it together, but um, I went with Toro, who's supposed to have a better week. Urias was like negative $5. And then I got pa- Pavin Smith for another unicorn bid, $4. Backup of four. I dropped Yandy Diaz. I think Yandy's just kind of Yandy, right? We're, we're all waiting for that big power surge, but I think that's just going to happen. And, and Pavin has six, six barrels, zero home runs, um, given up. Uh, or and zero home runs on those six barrels. He's actually among like the league leaders in barrels um, in terms of total. He's got seven games this week, some against the Dodgers, but not against their strongest, like Gonsolin today. I think he had a double, an RBI double. He's swinging um, away right now. Knocked in our, our boy Dalton Barsho, who got he on on an air. Crushing it right now. Sad. Just going to throw it out there. Crushing oh, it. Oh, dude, playing every day. He's going to be a 650 plate appearance catcher. Oh, boy. Yep. Um, so those were the bids I had there in. My OC, my 12-teamer, I added Nicola Dolo for nice. 37 with a backup bid of zero. No backup bid, people, in my OC for Nicola Dolo, who honestly looks ridiculously good. Yep. Um, I mean, he's got he's in Colorado this week, so maybe that's what scared people away, but holy cow. I mean, he's got a, well... Okay, maybe it's not as good as I thought, but 11.3% swinging strike rate, a 20.3% K minus walk, O swing of close to 40%, in zone is at 85.5. You know, he's got a super high BABIP at 3.375, uh, 
He's giving up a ton of home runs, so hopefully that will regress. He is a sinker ball pitcher, so hopefully that home run per nine of 1.84 will improve slightly. His home run per fly ball is 25%. So I think that'll go down uh, most likely. Um, just, I, I've, I've watched him pitch. He looks good. He looks good. Um, so there's that. And then I think he's got a good matchup next week. Am I lying? Let's see. Next week, he's at, he's got Pittsburgh. Yeah, That's so he's at matchup. Colorado. He's, he's at home against Pittsburgh. So I like that. Um, so I got him, and then I got Pavin Smith for three bucks. Drop Jake Diekman. And then my TGFBI was added Bruce Zimmerman, $14, no backup. Dropped Michael A. Taylor, which was a little painful. Uh, added Josh Rojas, trying to get there in uh, front of the curve for four bucks. Dropped Zach Granke. Added Johan Camargo, seven games this week, uh, was plus on the Rasball. Player Raider uh, dropped Kevin Smith, who's on the IL, and then picked up Christian Betancourt and uh, dropped Jonah Heim. Just trying to get that Betancourt. He's been playing like nearly every day, not even at yep. catcher. He's been playing DH. DH. He's been playing first base. So trying to get those uh, plate appearances in there as much as possible. Yeah, he had a big double on the gap today. So he crushed Oh, did one. he? Yeah. Um, even the announcers. It's kind of fun now that they're starting to mention it. Um, they said he smoked that, and then they, two seconds later, 103 mile uh, mile power exit velocity. That's what that looks like, folks. So they're starting to like, incorporate stat cast. He crushed it into the gap. Like, it was a laser. Uh, so, yeah, and yeah. he's got a max EV of, like, 114 or something. Am I making that up? Or Wasn't like... he from the Braves? Wasn't he a Brave recently? Uh, he was. He was in the KBO for the last few years. Let yeah, but I remember, like, I remember young Braves are high hopes for him. It just kind of sput out, so this could be a nice little yeah, Braves. You know, yeah, I, right. That's why he sounded the name sounded from there. I was looking at him recently, and I couldn't remember exactly where I remember him from. So one eleven point four max EV, one eleven point four max EV. So we'll see. I mean, it's just until this is a Danny Jansen team, so just waiting gotcha. for Danny to come back uh, to me. In Barf, I picked up Oscar Mercado, seventeen bucks, no backup bid. Uh, Bruce Zimmerman added for 12, dropped Eric Fetty, uh, back a bit of nine, added Toro, dropped Urias for four, picked up Lurie Garcia with Michael Waka. That was actually a mistake. I tried to go back and delete Lurie Garcia off every line because it's not because there's too many lefties this week. Um, he had played every day in the last seven, but it was because they had faced all righties last week, the White Sox. So I tried to delete those. I forgot to delete that bid. So that sucks. One guy who I did want to mention was Mercado. He's been playing pretty much every day. And the things that I liked about what he had done as of this weekend, he hasn't walked, so I don't like that. Um, but the ground ball rate, ground ball rate is 7% lower than last year, about 4 to 5% lower than his career average. And... Um, the contact rate was still pretty good. And then he had, he already had three barrels as of this weekend. Um, the launch angle was higher, you know, so we'll see. And he's got a little bit of that speed, but he probably just sucks. 17 was probably way too much. I don't know what I was thinking. God, sometimes I just, you never know. You never know. But also like he probably looked better on Sunday. And now two days later, he's garbage. Small samples. 
small yep. samples. Anybody that's all. That's got? all I got, Bubba. For that's you. all you that's got. All, got. all right. I'll start with my TGFBI. Uh, added Josh Naylor. Dropped Patrick Corbin. Forty three dollars. Runner up. Thirty seven. Um, I'd got Chris Stratton and Andres Andres Munoz in this league. Didn't break the bank. Stratton for thirty three. Munoz for twenty four. Runner up. Twenty one and fifteen. Dropped Andrew Heaney and Justin Steele. So just kind of trying to get that situation under control. With hopefully a save or two here and there. Uh, barf on this one. I got Josh. I got a lot of Naylor. Josh Naylor dropped Daniel Lynch, who actually looks really good today. Um, I got him for $54, runner up of 50 on that one. That was my only move there. Uh, one of my OCs. Now, this is what sucks because I got a lot of Bruce Zimmerman. You had great bids, by the way, like 12, 13 bucks, or whatever. I expected bids to be a lot higher on Bruce Zimmerman. So this is where these ones. Nobody respects bit. Bruce. This is this stung because uh, it's going to be a trend. I got him for $67 with zero runner-up bids. Zero. That hurt. Hurt in a big way. Um, grab Michael Lorenzen for the two-step. Like I agree with what we said last week, but I like the two-step for this week. Mm-hmm. Dropped Cal Quantrill. Added in Josh Naylor. Dropped Gio Yershilla, which was tough because I like what Gio's doing, but it's kind of almost like empty too, kind of like J.P. Crawford where it's like good – but not like great. And in a 12 team, it's not really doing it for me. Maybe more 15. Uh, and one of my OCQs, I grabbed a lot of Mikolas last week, grabbed him here. Miles. Dropped, dropped to Oscar, you know, added Bruce Zimmerman for $54 with no runner up bid. Uh, <laughs> um, and I dropped Cal Quantrill. I dropped Cal Quantrill in a lot of places this week. Uh, that was one of those 12 team churn things. I'm still a Cal Quantrill believer, but can't. Uh, he might get re-added later on. Grab Josh Naylor, grab Taylor Ward for forty-two dollars with a runner up of thirty-one. Got him in a few spots this week. That was nice. Um, wrote another my other uh, qualifier. Got Mikolas. Got Josh Naylor. Got Michael Lorenzen. So did that little song and dance. Um, my second of four OCs, Bruce Zimmerman dropped Andrew Heaney. Bid sixty-eight dollars. Runner up of one. That was fun. Uh, then I also added Tyler Anderson for thirty-four. Runner up of twenty. And then I got Josh Naylor. Uh, for one dollar, um, dropping Mike Mustakis. All right, uh, next on the agenda here, my third OC, another one, Bruce Zimmerman for $68, no runner up bid. Got Josh Naylor, no runner up bid for $46. That was a bizarre one for me. These 12 teams can be so much fun and um, makes me really want to reconsider my bidding going forward. But then my fourth OC again, Bruce Zimmerman, $68, no runner up bid. But Josh Naylor, 42, runner-up at 37. So huh. each each league's like the Naylor ones are all over the board. All of my Zimmerman ones are no runner-up bids or $1 bid. I was blown away. So there's a lot of stinging on that one. Like I, I really like what Zim- Zimmerman's doing. A lot of things you mentioned. Um, knowing that I could have probably saved like $65, that stings. But it is what it is. Like I got my guy. I can't complain too much, but um in hindsight this is this is why fab's always a learning curve for me i'm still trying to figure this whole thing out but uh we'll see we'll see how it plays all right listener question time and we will start with conceptual alex were we premature in dropping dane dunning um it's hindsight you looked pretty good as last start i'll give you that but um, I think this is probably directed at me because I dropped Dane Dunning a lot of places last week. But I'll get your two cents in a second. Uh, you know, five and two-thirds, two runs, five Ks against Houston. That's really good. 
but still it's two to three runs in every start. This is only his first time going over five innings. Um, strikeouts aren't still great, great. Um, he's got an 8.6% swinging strike rate, which isn't, you know, making me feel all warm and fuzzy. O contact is still through the roof on him for O contact metrics. Um, I think Dunning's going to be very good, but it's one of those guys I can kind of stream on and off my roster. Like I, I don't like, like I said, I dropped Quantrill in a lot of places. Dunning's another guy where I'm like, there'll be weeks I want him, but there's going to be more weeks where I probably don't want him. So that's where I dropped him. What's your thoughts on Dane Dunning? Is he a hitter? He's he's destroying it if he's a hitter. I mean, he's got a great O swing at 25%. Z contact at 82.1. Contact overall at 78.9. Um, he he's only striking out 22.6% of the time. 358 BABIP. Um, 9.5% walk rate. He's walking. He's hitting a, a home run. 1.47 home runs per nine. Um, I mean, this guy is middle of the order material. Oh, he's a pitcher. Oh, yep. no, it's not too early. I'm just kidding, of course. Um, yeah, what do you mention, Bubba? There's nothing skills-wise that points to him being worthy of rostering for any I, reason. Right they'll, be, they'll be streamable times for like certain two starts, but uh, like I said, more often than not, not going to be in my lineup. So mm. that's just where things go. I may have um, just created a new a new uh, bit where we do hitter or pitcher. Hitter or and pitcher. And then we go through just their O the swing stats. and we're like... Is this a good hitter or is this a really bad pitcher? Yeah, that's funny. And then he says, uh, any Dalton Jeffries, Bruce Zimmerman, uh, Glenn Otto, Daniel Lynch strike you as viable for the rest of the season? We we both like Zimmerman, so yeah, Zimmerman. I like all those guys. Yeah, Um, I'm mad at myself for the Daniel Lynch drop this week. Like, I feel like I needed to, but that one's gonna haunt me. I think it's it's tough. I mean, yeah, Lynch looked really good, like underlying metrics. I didn't go hard after him. I should have. I mean, everything kind of pointed to him being good. Um, Otto looked really good. Um, Eno's talked about him. He had 20% swinging strike rate in his first start. Obviously, um, I think it was against somebody who wasn't very good. I think it was against Oakland. So you never know. He hasn't been hit around like a lot, you know, last year, but um, there's definitely talent there. And he's been very talented in AAA. So sometimes that works like a good example for me was like uh, Jose Urquidy was a guy who was like not very well known, but had really good triple A numbers and and he's done pretty well for himself. So auto could certainly be good. Not the best situation, but, but we'll kind of see there. And then Lynch. Yeah. I mean, even before today, Lynch looked good from like an underlying metrics perspective. Let me just pick it up. Um, 12.3% swinging strike rate, 15.6% came on his walk. So right around league average, 34.1 O swing, 88.2. So still struggling a little bit within the zone contact. I mean, the thing about the, I mean, the White Sox lineup right now is toast. Like it's horrible. Um, so he pitched well today, but you know, so I think he's fine. I think he's solid. But it's always hard because, like, they, these kind of solid guys who are on the Royals, like, I don't know how I feel about it. There's not a like, lot of upside there. Like, we saw Lynch last start. He struck out seven, but gave up, what, like, six runs or something. It's like, it's one of those where he's going to have a lot of good, but a lot of bad potentially at times, too, which makes it really fun. So, yeah, we'll see. Our buddy Dave Petros Yellow asks, How long would you hold a Kilbadoo and Casey Mize in Mains? I swore off lefties with possible platoon issues, but when I realized the AL Central only has two lefty starters, his power speed sucked me in. 
Luckily, I only have him in a main. With Mice, it sounds like they're lying to us about his injury being worse than they're letting on. So what would you do, Toby? Like, I think with Badu, you got to still kind of hold for now until they officially like cut him off. Mize might be worth a drop. Yeah, I'd say uh, Badu, hold on to him. I mean, I know it sucks, but he's also got a 125 Babbitt. You know, his walk rate's at 8.1%, 24.3% on the K rate. So there's nothing outlandish there. He's just getting a little unlucky. Um, you know, there's the platoon issues, which are obviously really tough. There's now more competition in the outfield, which is really tough. So there's a lot of tough things going on, but I think you hold on to him just because the, you, we've seen the ceiling for short periods of time, and it can be very, very good. Um, Casey Mize, I'm, I'm fine dropping. Um, you know, I think there was some hope that he was going to throw the splitter more, but the problem with Mize none of his stuff works like yeah. none of it. We should, we should do the whole, like really good, really, pitcher? really, really good <laughs> hitter or Casey Mize. Um, yeah. I mean, I think the challenge is like when I was looking at him in the off season, he's like, Oh, I'm going to throw the splitter a lot more. And I'm like, Oh, that's awesome. What's your splitter swinging strike rate? 10.3%. You know, the most, the slider at 11.3% has the highest winning strike rate of any of his pitches. And that just doesn't work. Like he's not fooling anybody. He's not getting chases on pitches outside the zone. Like it's all just really, really not good. And again, like development's not linear. Things could change dramatically, but I think the challenge for me always, and why I miss out sometimes on these guys is, is I want to see it, or I want to see a glimpse of it at least. Like I want to see that little bitty glimpse of it. And I just don't get that feeling from Mize. Um, there's a few guys that people were in on that I just couldn't see it. Couldn't see why they were going to be really good. And I'm sure I'm missing some of them. Uh, I missed on some of them this year and they are, have been good, but I just can't see it from him. Yeah, I'm not seeing it either. So drop away, drop away, Dave. Uh, Mike Curland asks, what if anything are you taking away from the early part of the season? Well, I think there's a, there's a lot to take away from pitchers. Like, you know, the velocity pitch mix, um, the skills, um, hitters like contact rate, ground ball rate, just looking for changes, max, max EV, um, you know, just kind of looking those things batting order, you know, just don't put too much stock in it. Like, you know, the, the back and forth that's happening right now on Twitter where it's like two days, it's like, this guy's the greatest thing on, on earth. Imagine not drafting him. And then like two days later, you're like, I can't believe people drafted him in like the 10th round. Like what were people thinking? You know, it's just back and forth. Uh, it's all too much. So, you know, monitor it, but don't, don't eliminate the previous history that that player has had based on those changes either. So I guess that's kind of what I'm focused on. Yeah. The, the, the velocity, I, I definitely look at Then you, you obviously correlates. Well, did you make a pitch mix? Do you do this or that? So you can definitely dig into those things. Um, and then I'm just looking at guys that are either, you know, we we we're gonna, we got a question coming up here about stabilization of certain stats, but um, you know, if, if a guy's doing really really well or really really poorly, it's like okay, why? Because if we have it's you know three to four weeks in, it's still not a great sample, but maybe you'll see something. Is it uh, like I said with Bobby Witt? They moved him down the batting order. He's getting comfortable. He's hitting now. Like, are there little adjustments that can be like all of a sudden? You know, Jazz Chisholm, he's leading off and he's still crushing baseballs. Like, there's there's different things that can take place. So little things you can look at and, and enjoy. But again, like studs are studs until they're broken. So I'm going to take my chances that they'll be studs, even if they're on a slow start. Like just 
hear him out on this one for a little bit longer if you can. All right. The uh, next question. I got two more questions to go here. And this is the one. Um, Stephen P at STE underscore VAN. What are the first key metrics to stabilize in a season that we can rely on? Um, just a little heads up. Rysel got it, got a save. I saw that. I came in and got the save. I love those. Hater got that one out save too. Um, the things that stabilize, I think the most important things to focus on are the per pitch metrics. So like contact rate is a per pitch metric. Um, or actually, I mean, I guess it's not per pitch, it's per swing. So like for a pitcher, like swinging strike rate is a per pitch metric. Oh, no, oh, swing isn't either. You get what I'm trying to say. Like focus on the per pitch metrics, not the batted ball metrics. Like there are some batted ball metrics, right? Like max EV or things like that, that I want to see if there's a change immediately, then it shows me there's something there. But generally speaking, outside of those changes, it's the per pitch metric. So Mm -hmm. like the velocity for a pitcher, um, you know, contact rate, swinging strike rate, O swing, you know, those types of things where we get a larger sample pretty quickly. The thing you have to be cautious of though, too, is you get a pretty good sample for how they do against the competition level that they're facing. So there are some guys, right. Where it's like, you know, like some hitters where it's like, yeah, my contact rate's super high against the Royals. And you're like, oh, what's the Royals team strikeout rate? And it's literally like 5% lower than any other team. So it's like, oh, so maybe it's not necessarily that my team has a really good contact rate. It's that the Royals pitching staff really sucks. And at this point in time, what are we at? Like 16, 17 games teams have played. You know, that's four to five series, right? Like it's five, five series that they've played so far. So if you played the Royals as one of those, like, there's a, there's a, it's a pretty skewed little, little thing there. So, um, what I like to do with like with rolling average graphs is generally do about like a 40 game. Like once we get to 40 game, I start to trust it a little bit more, but pay attention to those things, you know, make moves based on those things, but just know that, you know, know that the player is still probably likely to be the same guy that he was before. Um, so yeah, uh, you mentioned those metrics. I know Eno talks about it a lot. I believe it's hard hit takes 50 batted ball events. So that's one of the first ones. It's either that or barrels. I, can't remember. I think it's hard hit. Um, and so that'll be coming up for some guys like at the end of the month, maybe mid-May. So that'll start stabilizing, at least have an idea of where these guys are at with things. But it's tough. It's tough. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Like your your X stats take a while. Let's put it that way. If you're if you're if, if that's what you're curious about, looking at things like that. Uh, Eric Samolski asks, curious from a strategy perspective in NFBC leagues, if you feel the need to churn the final pitching spot or two every week, will you ever use just an okay starting pitcher matchup so you don't have to spend waiver money every week? Um. I mean, it's all dependent on the team, but I will not. If I think there's a better pitcher on the wire, then I'll I'll grab the pitcher. Unless it's like a matchup thing, like, oh, I think this guy's better long-term, but he doesn't have a good matchup. You know, he's better than this guy. You know, it's like with my with my drops this week, it was like, Junis, I think he's better this week. And I don't like Granky long-term. So I'm going to get rid of Granky. And then next week, I'll probably pick up somebody different because Junis is supposed to go up against the Dodgers. 
you know, unless the following week he looks like he's going to have a really nice two-step or something like that, you know? So it's just kind of, I think, I think never set hard and fast rules because you need to adjust them based on your roster. I have some leagues where I'm just like, damn, I got a lot of pitchers. This is really nice. Then I got others where I'm like, oh man, like this is a little rough. So just depends. I'm 100% with you. Like I have my pad and paper next to me. I write down, okay, OC1. These are the players I'm willing to drop. But then I start looking Ooh, at like, love it. I start looking at um, like who's available and I'm sitting there going, well, maybe I could drop this other guy too. That's why I started dropping Cal Quantrill this week. Like I love Cal Quantrill. Anybody that's listening to this show, I talked about him. I, I believe in the skills, but he's also a guy that, in a, especially in a 12-team league, you can pick him up later. You can stream him another time. Let's go get Miles Mikulas and see what he's got. Like, let's go get Bruce Zimmerman for the two. Oh, just draft Miles Mikolas. That would have been a smart move. That's why you're a better player than I am. But no, because um, then you get the Pirates start, which we, yeah, which that, that would have been a really smart move. Like, I totally biffed on that one. But like, like last week was a lot of Merrill Kelly and Miles Mikolas. This week was a lot of Bruce Zimmerman, and it's it's a trend that people should have known by now. I look ahead to the following week for my guys. That's why I, maybe I should have just went cheaper on Bruce because they saw the Yankees this week. Like that was just boneheaded stuff on me where I really wanted to get them. I overpaid. I think the twelve tween, the t- twelve teamers is tough. Twelve yeah. teamers is tough. But it's just like because what Eric's saying, and I, I was in a chat with him. He was asking some questions about dropping injured guys and other things. Is for me, one thing I've tried to do this season that I talked about in our preseason shows is I'm trying to be more aggressive on just making moves. Like, don't hold these guys. Like, don't sit on Cal Quantrill because I believe in the skill set to sit on him for a month and never use him. Like, let's mm-hmm. go get someone that I might be able to use and see what happens. Like, if Cal becomes great, so be it. Dane Dunning, I really like the skill set. I dropped him everywhere. Like, I get it. It hasn't flourished this year. And then and in hindsight, we talked about how Jorge Lopez, we should have jumped on him before, and we didn't. Like, it's just that kind of yin and a yang thing where it's it's tough to make solid rules, like you said. It's team-dependent, but uh, there's definitely – definitely something to to look at and you don't have to churn but i'm trying to maximize my roster every week and that usually requires churning a spot or two that's usually it's just how it goes to make sure you really because there's some weeks like i love marcus stroman well i've i haven't pitched him every week but i go and grab a guy i can throw in there to save marcus for other points stuff like that um so that's that's a long-winded way of saying yes you should but you don't have to is the way i look at it All right, Toby, any final thoughts as we wrap up our week four fab recap? Week five, already Tuesday night. No, I mean, continue to be patient out there, you know, save, save that fab for meaningful players and, um, yeah, be patient with the guys who are struggling on your teams. There's a lot of them still out there. I mean, it's brutal. Some of these guys are just brutal, but be patient over time. They'll, they'll get back. They'll get there. Yeah, for like the big boys, that it's been brutal, like you said. I'm not going to really panic like, like drop-wise until at least the end of May. Like I really got to let these guys get, get a run out there unless something like really comes out that says, okay, he's broken, which is tough to say. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. So don't panic, as Toby said. Um, while Toby was talking, I didn't listen to the video, but I saw someone tweeted out on Twitter. Uh, Chris Bassett was interviewed after his start tonight about the baseballs and they asked him about the different baseballs and he says, yes, they're all different. They all feel different. And Mm -hmm. like the players are speaking up, which is fun because they haven't before. Now the CBA took place. Now they have a voice. It's like, they're just letting it loose. And between the players and then the fans getting mad, 
it's going to be a fun summer. Let's put it that way. Um, it's going to be electric factory. So again, don't panic. Your hitters might start hitting before you know it. <laughs> so it, uh, it it's going to be a fun one. But we'll keep coming back each and every week with you to recap Fab, try to talk some strategy, and more important, bring your questions because we'll talk Fab as long as we have to. But if you have a lot of questions, we'll narrow that down and we'll talk your questions. So this is for you guys. So bring on all the goodies as usual. You can find Toby on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. I'm at BDNTrick. This was Bubba and the Batflip, episode 122. Catch you guys next week.